0: So, so I can touch on uh, Invincible a little bit, just because I don't want to. I guess like with Jupiter's Legacy and Invincible, like first off, I'm not really worried about spoilers through the first season of those. So if you you know spoil something, don't worry about me sitting there like what the fuck. I wouldn't even. I would say maybe it'd be better for us to not mention that I haven't finished them. I think it's kind of half baked too be on a podcast talking about media when I haven't finished it, although that's just what we're working with. So,
1: Hello and welcome to the Clever Kids podcast. For those new listeners tuning in, the Clever Kids podcast is a weekly podcast where three brothers talk about pop culture topics that you may or may not care about. Uh, This week, the head brother, Tyler, is absent and will now be filled in by his much more attractive and smarter younger brother, Jeff, who is doing his first intro. Uh, This week, we're going to talk about a couple different things. Uh, Leading the conversation is Jupiter's Legacy, the newest Netflix TV show that wrapped up last week. Um, I was prepared to talk about it last week, but uh, my brothers are slow. So we're going to jump into this week. And uh, hopefully that leads us to some good conversations. Uh, But before we get started, Brian, is there anything you'd like to say?
0: Yeah, first off, I'm doing very well. Thank you. At least Tyler asked me how I'm doing when he goes. I think he's got this more dialed in. Second off, I I heard you use the term head brother, and I just wanted to focus on that for a second because it sounded like head boy from Hogwarts. But at the same time, you know, really, he guys, he's just the the tech savant here. Uh, You know, I'm really the show. I know you guys have been really looking forward to this duo uh, podcast again because our other one was was wildly popular uh, when Tyler was gone. So Tyler's gone again. Rejoice uh, and you get to hear uh, a higher percentage of the cast be uh, my beautiful voice coming through the airwaves. So um, that's, that's about it. Um, really wanted to talk about uh, Jupiter's Legacy. I'm looking forward to it. It's the new show on Netflix. Um, get Jeff's initial thoughts. Uh, give some of my own uh, there's some concepts they are really touching on that we're finding very interesting. Um, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's going to be our premier uh, recommendation. I think Tyler's not liking it so much, but that's just personal preference and he's wrong. Um, you know, we're both, uh, on the same page that it's a good show and they've got some fun stuff that we're going to dive into here. Um, so if you haven't seen it, go seen it, pause this and go watch it real quick and come back, um, and listen to our great takes on that show jeff what are your initial thoughts on jupiter's legacy
1: well sure uh so typical trend for this we typically uh cover a, a brief non-spoiler description of, of what the show's about and how we felt about the show so i, I enjoyed it uh, a lot um i understand that a lot of people are kind of turned away because the action is a little bit slower paced it, it kind of shies away from the superhero combat aspect of, of the superhero mythos which is fine um the, the combat can be a little bit hokey you know it's it's Big, powerful blows that send people into space and send people flying through um, fields and stuff. And it's it's not necessarily like quick, sophisticated, hard to follow combat. It's it's uh, more basic and just kind of like, yeah, yeah, they're fighting and back to the main plot. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I like Josh Duhamel. Duhamel? Du, Duhamel? I don't know how to pronounce his name. Duhamel. Uh, Duhamel, sure. Don't overthink it. It's just Duhamel. So I, I actually really like him as an actor. I thought that I was glad when they chose him for the, the protagonist of the show. Um, and, and for those of you that are familiar with the comics, what the show is actually doing is it's there's a comic book called Jupiter's Legacy, and then there's a second one called Jupiter's Circle, which is an origin story to Jupiter's Legacy of how this world got a superhero society. Um, and that's the story the show is telling both stories. So it constantly flips perspectives back and forth between the modern superhero society in the 2020s and the origins of the superhero society in the 1920s and that hundred year gap and, and one like the quest of the main character to found, found the superhero society and convince these people to follow him. And then also uh, now that he's kind of at the edge of his career at the, the brink of retirement, what it means to, to hand the torch off to the next generation and believe and trust that they're going to continue to live up to your expectations. Um, and I really enjoyed that, that moral ethical discussion that they constantly had in the show. I, I love that kind of. Oh
0: yeah. It's fascinating. I mean, it, there's, I think a general question of like, you see him standing in front of the, the public And they're like pretty early on and they're literally saying, dude, we want you to kill people for us. Like we don't want you to like shy away from being more violent in order to guarantee our safety. And he's sitting there saying like, like you people don't understand what's best for you essentially. And yet in the same breath, he's saying it's not our place to be leaders and to take a leadership role. And yet he's making this like – executive decision to not allow the killing of of potentially pure evil beings that are trying to wipe out the planet and it's just it's kind of this interesting um dichotomy yeah where where he's in some ways taking a leadership role in a very specific like specific sense of saying i will not allow this to happen that's a leadership decision and yet like the next rule is we don't take a leadership role and it's just, it's ironic, I think in a way. And I, it, I, I found it, I wanted to be all in on utopian. And yet that was something that I kind of wanted to be like, look in the mirror, dude, like that doesn't make any sense. You know, you can't have both of those things, you know, especially, yeah. especially when you see an early example where someone is, is forced into that decision of like, is it okay to do that? And then he's like, He takes just odd stances. Are we we allowed to do spoilers now? Because I kind of want to get a little bit more detail.
1: Yeah, I mean, a very brief spoiler. Very early on in the season of the eight episodes, um, a a character is forced into a decision of either saving the life of one of his comrades uh, by killing the bad guy or letting his comrade die and then trying to potentially even fail, but try to subdue in a peaceful way the villain. But that villain's capable of, of wreaking havoc and potentially murdering millions of people. And so he makes the the very tough choice of deciding to end the villain's life in order to, to save, you know, millions of people. See, but that doesn't and, and seem like
0: a tough choice to me. That's That seems to me like an obvious decision. Like, they, it, it literally... We'll just... We've already spoiled this part. So it literally shows them try and try and try to subdue this bad guy without killing. And then it gets to the point where they are defeated. I mean, they are done and his dad is literally like it's over. And this dude's about to like go nuclear or whatever. And he makes a decision to kill him. And I'm like, there, that was the choice. Like there, you know, his dad throws out, like you could have, you could have disabled them somehow. And I'm like, well, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you do that? Like you tried, like we saw that attempt, like that didn't go well. Like, so I'm sorry. We can go ahead and check that box as attempted. Sure. Like, why are we even saying the, that there were other options at that point?
1: I mean, there's there's a concept, right, of of uh, compromise being the first step to you know a road of, of immorality. That once you start to compromise once, that you're you're going to continue to compromise, and and eventually you will no longer have the principles that you set out to have. That that compromise, in any shape or form.
0: Understood that. And, But I'm sorry to cut you off, but this is not a situation where there were other options. It was one of two choices. Very clear. Like it was not subjective any longer. He suggests that there's there were other options on the table, but they tried them like we literally witness it in the scene. And then he's still suggesting that the guy had multiple like other choices when really there were two outcomes. One, he makes a decision to kill the guy and save the day. Or two, he allows the guy to go nuclear and blow up like, you know, whatever it would have blown up. And it's like half the state or whatever they say. And like for me, I just don't understand why there was room for debate there. And like it just doesn't seem like his dad truly suggests a viable alternative in that situation. And I just feel like it wasn't addressed enough in the aftermath. Like what is your alternative? Like what? Like go back to that situation and tell me what the other option was because we tried everything else
1: and, and yeah, it just well, gets
0: ignored he just he like talks about this ideal where it's like hey ideally we don't kill and i'm like cool but in the real world it doesn't always work
1: that way so i like what i noticed in the show is there seemed to be kind of an inconsistency in their power usage like i felt like they were only fighting at like 50 percent strength to try and that's exactly subdue right. the they're all,
0: they're all fighting with one hand tied behind their back in order to not kill that's exactly right because right, he, right. he one punches that dude he right. headshots him and it's over. And it's like, and wow, so you were I feel able like, to swing that hard and, you and didn't so I feel it?
1: like with that one punch ability, there, there were other options on the table. Flying him into space suddenly becomes viable so if you're willing it? to. Why, why, didn't didn't? Did? why didn't Brandon do I don't know. Um,
0: That's, it gets confusing. It gets confusing when you allow that because it's like, okay, so if you guys are fighting at 50%, why wouldn't you dial it up to 70 before you start getting your butt kicked right. in order to you know, accomplish your goal? Why did he have to go from 50 to 100 to stop this guy? Like, I get it. Like, that's, that's, I think that's going to be impossible to.
1: Well, and, and there's another aspect that we haven't really touched on is, is the character in, in episode one is essentially admonished by the, by one of the other characters. I mean, fuck, I'm just going to go into spoilers. The, the father character, the utopian, the head of the superhero society is admonishing his son for not being strong enough, for not being smart enough, for not being good enough. And those words kind of echo in his son's head that when the father is then uh, put in a rough situation, the son then, you know, I have to be stronger. I have to be better, you know, makes a decision to do what he considers is the right thing. And, and that concept of, of forcing someone saying, you know, you need to be stronger and then admonishing them for, you know, using their full strength. Um, I don't know. It's definitely interesting. Like it, it shows. How I don't think thin I don't think line. he
0: means stronger physically. I don't think that's what he's talking about. I think he's saying you need to be stronger mentally and in your decision making, right? Well, because first- he made a poor decision in that first scene where his dad admonished him and it's really it's not about his strength. I mean, he's getting his butt kicked, but at the same time you know it was more about hey the the good the right call there was to call for backup it wasn't about right. you need to be physically stronger
1: but then but then the utopian ends up beating that chick with one throw like you think paragon would probably be strong enough to be able to also disable her and so that's where i was like he's literally saying like you need to stop being so gentle you need to disable these people yeah, quicker yeah i think
0: i think what we're struggling with here is is what you touched on initially which fair warning to anyone who hasn't seen it and is still listening um there is a, I would almost call it a discrepancy between the the concepts and everything that they're diving into and what you actually see in the combat. Because, you know, Paragon is getting thrown around by this chick early in this, this you know, bad robot chick or in the one of the first In the, se- in uh, the opening episode, scene. Yeah. One of the first scenes. And then his dad flies in who I think we're led to believe they're somewhat comparable, although the dad's like a stronger version of him. And he grabs her, throws her up into the ceiling with one throw, barely bats an eyelash, barely gives the bad person the time of day that was just teeing off on his kid. And it's like, where, is the, the, like, where are these guys tiered in terms of like their strength levels? Like, how much further ahead is his dad? Because you see in a later fight, the dad's getting kicked, his butt kicked by a villain that Paragon won shots with a punch. So it's like, it gets kind of confusing, but I think really what we're supposed to focus on is not the, the actual physical representation in the fights, more so than the concepts that they dive into, because those get really interesting. And that's kind of where I wanted to take this is one of the concepts that um, Utopian, the, the main, like the Superman of this universe um, is is very adamant is that the superheroes don't take a leadership role when it comes to like policy and, you know, the societies that they don't step into any form of leadership role or dictating how things like play out like it shows at one point the the superman guy utopian sitting with his brother who's also a superhero at a table and they're discussing world war 2 and they're discussing like how the, the brother says something to the effect of we could have ended that war or you know affected the outcome a lot sooner and then people of the people that died in Auschwitz and in the concentration camps and stuff you know we could have limited a lot of the suffering and Basically, Utopian's reply is, okay, so if we did that, where do we stop? Because at that point, we're diving into the Korean War in the 50s, and we're diving into Vietnam in the 60s, and, you know, at what point does it end? You know, there's really no capping that once we open that door. And I'm like, yeah, but at the same time, I think that's where your judgment is comes into play as as a person who's capable of stopping the suffering i think people would be willing to run the risk that you're going to seize some, you know some level of power in order to stop the endless suffering of of the millions of people who are affected in those conflicts is that yeah fair i to feel say? like
1: i feel like superheroes you know trying to undertake the the goal of ending all human suffering is is you know unrealistic Human suffering is is it's part of the deal. But you can of limit existence. it.
0: But you can limit it, dude. Imagine they just fly into Germany, they grab Hitler, throw him into the sun. You know, wipe out the SS or imprison them quickly. I mean, you could have handcuffs on every SS officer in a few minutes without fast. Those dudes fly and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, sure. You know, put them in prison and the german you know attack on european countries effectively shuts down in a matter of an hour with you know a superman's level of abilities and think about all the millions who died in the war all the you know suffering caused by the nazi yeah but like at
1: what point i mean so sure that's where you get humans imposing their will on other humans and you get suffering from there but like even modern day politics you've got like wage inequalities you know you've got people sitting on billions of dollars versus people sitting with zero dollars what stops a superhero being like hey give me your billion of dollars i'm going to go do more with what you have than what you are
0: so you you i think i guess what i'm getting to is if let's say superheroes were real i mean and i think that's what a lot of these shows are starting to get to and we were talking briefly before the the podcast i mean this goes it just seems like jupiter's legacy is the next show in a line of superhero ones that are willing to dive deeper into the concept. Like, what if these guys were real? Like, what would it actually be like? Because Utopian was alive and had powers in the 40s during World War II. So what were you doing during that time, man? It was a pretty big, well-known thing going on at the time. What what did you do? You know, Captain America is a superhero born from the World War II conflict in the 40s. And, And we see him getting involved in that confrontation. You know, so like admittedly he goes under ice, you know, before it ends. But at the same time, like it's it dives deeper into the concept of if superheroes were real, how would it change things? And I'm actually going to talk about like a parody movie about superheroes that just popped into my head. We see in Mystery Men. It's actually on Netflix right now, by the way. I watched it somewhat recently. We see in the very beginning, the main superhero living in a city where all crime has effectively stopped because he is one it's done. It's over. He has beaten all of them. And what we see in these other shows is they basically escalate the amount of villains that come because, you know, the superheroes are like winning over and over again. Right. Like I was saying with the show that was we covered last week, Invincible, it, God, it feels like there's like world ending threats and alien armies and stuff appearing in the Invincible sure. universe every day on Earth.
1: I mean, the the alternative, if you want a character to sum it up for you, is in Civil War. Vision literally plays out like an algorithm, and he's like the number of world threatening yeah. threats, the real threat is rising conflicts. exponentially. Yeah, because right. it's
0: like yeah. it, he's suggesting that be, the presence of superheroes causes the right. presence of threats, exactly. which I I thought was absolutely fascinating, and I think it plays out into these things, and it and it becomes this question of okay, so. What we see typically in order to continue to feed these superhero storylines, because they're not real, unfortunately, is they continue to add threats.
1: Right. They accelerate.
0: Right. And, and I think, you know, we're seeing that in Jupiter's legacy to some extent as well. You keep seeing these bad guys pop up. But I find it more interesting when they have those moments like that scene where they're talking about World War Two, where I'm like, OK, in a real world where let's just play it out, that algorithm doesn't make any sense and, and they don't accelerate. What would actually happen if superheroes existed? Would conflicts just shut down? Would there just be no crime? Like, I can tell you this. Like, I'm just picturing, it's probably easy to say as a law-abiding citizen, but if I'm a criminal and I know there's a Superman out there that can hear everything I'm doing from across the planet and come flying in in two seconds and liquefy me or throw me in a prison cell, I'm probably not going to commit a crime. You know what I'm saying? So how does crime continue unless it ramps up? Because at its current rate, a guy like Superman or Utopian or you know, Iron Man and Captain America would eventually, I would imagine eliminate crime.
1: Yeah. I mean, and the interesting thing that I find about a lot of comic books is a lot of villains are like dedicated to a life of crime. Like so many villains throughout the Marvel DC image universes are like dedicated to building a, a super villain society. And I feel like that's not really realistic of most criminals in the world. Like most people are like reluctant. They're like, yeah, I want a job, but I can't do it. I'm, I'm hungry. I, yeah. Recid- yeah, fucking recidivism is, is massive. I've got the stigma of being an ex-con because of something I did when I was 18. Like, fuck it, I'm going to steal food because I have to. Um, so it's just another way of living. It's not like they want the world to be full of people who think the way they do. I don't know. But it's Just but it's a,
0: interesting because you think that Utopian and this is late, looping it back into the, the initial point. You think that Utopian would embrace some kind of leadership role where they're going for the eradica- eradication of crime. Why doesn't that? Why isn't that in his mindset? Why is he more like we need to get out of the way because it's too dangerous for us to take a power position. And I'm like I don't know, man. Like I feel like in a superhero comic there's always going to be a ramp up of crime and new villains because that's how you get more comics. I get right. it. And that's not, but in the real world, realistically, if you insert superheroes, would crime rise exponentially? Or would there actually be an opportunity for somebody like Utopian to take a role in the decision making process and then be able to enforce decisions and be able to like go out and actually implement Here's you know, a, positive there's, change?
1: There's a question that I had watching the show which was in the 1920 storyline it's about the main character getting his group together his six friends together to form the first justice league and accept these powers this is and, in uh,
0: jupiter's legacy just to be clear
1: right still in jupiter's legacy he's 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 the 1920 storyline is him trying to bring together good people so that they can all become the first superhero. He doesn't know that that's what the quest is, but that's what the quest ends up being. He collects a group of people, they go out and they become the first powers, powered people and and lead the superhero society. They form like a pseudo justice league. But in the 2020 storyline, there's dozens of people that have powers by this point. There's new people introduced in the show almost every episode that have different powers. So what stops one of them from going to a different country, not America, and seizing power in Mexico or some other country? Utopia. Utopia. is the utopian going to... Yeah, is the utopian effectively limiting what the other superheroes can do?
0: Yeah, that's that's the whole thing of the show is he's like... He curbs them. He he doesn't... Like, he almost feels like he's like a fail-safe against superheroes in a way. Like he acts as a superhero but only to the extent that they stop world-ending crimes and, and bank robbers and... Beyond that, he is a a limiter of other superheroes. He will not allow them to take a more active role. Right? I mean, isn't that is that fair? That's fair it's kind of interesting,
1: I don't... But the, like, that's the characters that are inside his league where he's like, if you want to be in this league, you have to accept this code that I'm following. But like, what if someone's born in some other country and develops powers and decides to... like, Is he going to go stomp out a freedom fighter who's just trying to make the world better? Like, Is he going to be like, no, you're a superhero and therefore you belong in my league and you have to follow my rules even though you've never met me? Or I don't know. That seems like a whole different conversation. But um, yeah, it's interesting. So one of the other things that – one of the other tangents as far as superheroes getting involved in warfare that we haven't talked about is Watchmen. The Watchmen characters are heavily involved in the Vietnam conflict. You see Doctor Manhattan walking around just vaporizing Viet Cong in the films. And during um,
0: the, uh, the nuclear armament, like he's the biggest conversation piece where they're like, dude, is he going to be a nuclear deterrent? Right. And Utopian has made it very clear in his universe that they will have no part in that, and it—that it, to me is interesting because it almost feels like, it almost feels like, I—I don't, I don't know, like, it—it. It, I guess I just feel like he's wrong. I—I do, I just don't think that you can be that powerful and that capable of having an effect on a global scale, and yet choose to just sit by, because what happens when? I, I mean, let's look at World War II. I mean, how does he not somehow culpable? In that when he was able to stop it. Like, dude, literally within an hour, you could have stopped that entire war and you just chose not to. How are you not equally responsible for everything that happened?
1: Yeah, I mean, like I can understand if his perspective was like, you know, if two countries want to go to the war, that's fine. But like, do you think at least if he knew about the internment camps that he would have at least stopped those? Like hey, if the Germans want to go cop, cop conquer Poland and do this, like I'm not here to tell you that you guys can't be imperialistic. But if you guys want to torture an entire race of people, I'm gonna you know. But he all allowed and-
0: both of those things to happen, right? And therefore, I like I question like how is he not like obviously nobody can arrest him and throw him in prison. We saw Hancock. It it doesn't do much. It's a it's a very uh, symbolic thing if if it even happened. But at the same time. How does he not see that as wrong? Like that seems to me like it's almost objective, you know, that he is in some ways responsible for how it played out because he did right. not get involved. I mean,
1: I, when, I, when I think about the Utopian, I compare him very, very closely to Ned Stark. Like the purpose of his character is that he is loyal to his principles to a fault. He, he's, he considers himself a good person and he's willing to die and, and go down with those principles because he he holds on to those principles so dearly. And I, I like to think that they're kind of similar characters where they're like, nope, this is... Would you
0: compare him to Cap in that way too? Like I'm picturing the Civil War storyline, which brings up a lot of superhero government involvement questions. And Cap is just, you know, plant yourself firmly like a tree and stand your ground regardless of, you know, whether you're right or wrong or whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the problem with Cap is, is you don't see a lot of storylines where... Um, it comes back to bite him. like typically the story is like you know have hope and, and everything will be okay whereas these other storylines are like hey being a There's good person, real
0: ramifications for doing right. what you're doing and not getting involved right. well and here's the other thing while cap i guess they're just argued for different things because cap you know he doesn't say don't get involved he just says we need to be able to stay independent of government influences now right interestingly where do you think cap would fall on utopians argument like if, let's say cap's in that universe and
1: cap he's... kills people all the time
0: cap kills people
1: all the time who did he kill soldiers thousands of them in world war ii he he's just hits them with a the... shield he doesn't even he's... have a lethal shield yeah. he just throws it really hard he walks around with a gun what do you think that was doing we <laughs> pa- <laughs> think that was a paintball <laughs> hold on who does he shoot you know, you there's an epic scene in, in the Captain America, the first Avenger, where they like break open like a factory, uh, like factory doors. And it's him and all of the uh, howling commandos behind him. And he's got the shield here and he's got the gun here. Yeah, and he's, he's just like pistol, firing. Yeah, but he gets rid of it because he
0: realizes he's, how wrong that is.
1: He's just firing off screen. And you're just going to assume that he's a marksman who's dropping people. I mean, so, Bucky so, Barnes.
0: So you think knowing the Steve Rogers character. That if he was in Utopian's universe, he'd be like, dude, you're an idiot. We should be killing people.
1: Yeah. So the Marvel Universe kills people, no doubt.
0: That's very interesting. Because most of the times you don't really see people dying around them. Sure. Like, you know, Iron Man flies through and blasts them with his ion beams or whatever, and they just go down, but it doesn't really show them die. Sure. You know, it's almost like more like an implication of like uh, incapacitation, but not murder. You know, they're not just going through and ripping heads off or something. You know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you expected to happen to those fully fledged helicarriers when he opened fire on all of them. It's not like those people all had parachutes at the end. At the end of Civil, at the end of Captain America: The Winter Soldier, he fires three helicarriers at each other, and they all go crashing into a river. It's not like those people are. It's a, fired. yeah, but
0: that's not direct killing. I think it's a little different. Like there's there's casualties because you were involved in the wrong stuff versus, you know, him actually running up, ripping your head off with this, like a cork, you know, like there's a difference between those two things. And I think, you know, death by association is not really Cap's fault. Like you're in the wrong place at the wrong time because you're making poor decisions isn't straight up Cap saying, yeah, we should a have point. full license to rip heads there's a off. point,
1: There's a point in the Winter Soldier when Captain America has a guy behind him who like walks up and he's like, don't move. And then suddenly that guy just hits the ground because Black Widow was parachuting in I don't know how you think he took him down but i'm telling you right now it's a bullet right to the cerebro like that thing (laughs) like i
0: don't
1: know man people die on screen so you're you're
0: arguing the cap would be like utopian you're a fucking idiot yeah absolutely not a doubt in my mind let me ask you where do you think utopian lands on it because you're a pretty morals driven guy not to say i'm not but at the same time this guy takes it to another level and like I think ideally utopian
1: is talking about a utopian model. Like he's talking about something that sounds great. Right. He wants to stand on it. He wants to lead by example is his whole character. He wants to say, I'm better. You guys can be better if you were like me. And if everyone is like me, then we achieve a utopia. I get that. Um, Whether or not you can sit there and watch your family die at the hands of a villain and still call yourself a good person
0: or World War 2. You just watched that play
1: out. You're a good dude. You could have right. stopped it, man. Right. I and don't you're going to call would... yourself a good guy. You still believe right. in
0: everything you're saying?
1: That's like it's kind of hard to go home with a smile on your face and be like, <laughs> "I did good today, mom and, and dad." And 70 80 years later, he's
0: sitting at a table still arguing that he made the right call in World War 2. 80 years right. to think about it and he's still like, "Where does it end?" And I'm like, "I don't know. How about uh 1941 instead of 1945. How's that for where it ends? Like like it's up to you as somebody in that position to make those decisions. It's not like yeah, at the end of the day, you know, like you could turn around and seize power. Sure. Maybe it's, that it's wouldn't about... even be the worst thing. Look at Julius Caesar, man. I was just talking about Julius Caesar yesterday. Like that dude declared himself dictator for life and made a bunch of great changes until they decided <laughs> to shank him. Like it's just I guess for me that maybe it's not the worst thing for you to have some oversight. You know, that's kind of Superman's thing, right? He doesn't allow yeah. anything to ever get too far. He shuts it all down. Let me ask sure. you, what, what would Superman, someone with his capabilities, if not more capabilities, what would Superman have done if he was alive in world war two? Uh,
1: he's flown Superman in and just stopped everything. It's the first Superman comic was like 1936. What did he, he do during, during world, world war II.
0: II? What did he do? He, to he it fought himself?
1: Nazis. I think, I think everyone fought Nazis back then. Um, Yeah, I mean, he wasn't on the front lines as far as I, I mean, I I don't know. He was a little bit more
0: depowered at the time, right?
1: Yeah, he he could, at that point, until like 1960, he was, his powers were faster than a speeding bullet. He could leap tall buildings in a single bound. He couldn't fly. He had no laser vision, no ice breath. He was bulletproof, I think. Um, But faster than a speeding bullet. But he fought, they- he fought Nazis and was like,
0: yeah, let's freaking stop this thing. Yeah. And Utopian sat there and watched it happen. Like, it just makes yeah. me look at his character and go, "What? what is the purpose of you if not to get involved
1: in something like that? That seems like the textbook reason for you to get up and do something. Right. I mean, so public opinion, even back then, if we can go back into the history of comics, Batman killed his first two uh, uh, nemesis. And the Batman premieres, he killed both of his first two characters when they made a Joker-esque villain, a clown villain the writer was like, I kind of want to do a second story with this character and chose not to kill him. And it was the first character that Batman ever spared. And then years later, they like wrote gave it him into a, this a
0: character that he doesn't kill. Exactly. But really you um, do kill, but, do but kill. there's utopia. Yeah, the yeah. only one that doesn't kill <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Batman. You're not, you're not, uh, you're not above the killing, my friend. Yeah. So it's interesting. Where would Superman land on, on killing? I think Superman would fight. I mean, Depends on, uh, the answer to all these questions, it depends on who's writing the comic, right? Because Man of Steel, he had no problem breaking Zod's necks. He was like, hey, are you going to stop? No? All right. <laughs> you forced my hand. Well, he's um, also had comics where Superman has taken over governments. Sure. Which is exactly the opposite of, like,
0: it's like Utopian's worst fear. Right. You know? Like, it, you literally see, I haven't read them, so bear with me sure. here. But you literally see Superman take over the world in some issues where it's a Superman yeah. regime, right?
1: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you're talking about the Injustice comic book universe. Yeah. The, the concept is that Superman experiences horrific trauma at the hand of the Joker and kills the Joker because of of everything. And basically confronts Batman and says, the only reason that Joker has been able to kill all the people that he's been able to kill is because you refuse to stop him, finally. Like, if you had just killed him any of the times he did anything horrible then we wouldn't be here yeah. right now. Why are like we every- playing games
0: with these people? Like, right. let's shut it down. He's never going to be better as a person. There's no rehab for a guy like Joker. Right. Like, actually, when he went to therapy, he turned her into his girlfriend. Right. Isn't that yeah. how that happens with Harlequin? Yeah. And, so, and so what are we doing here? At some point, we have to take another step. And I think that gets right back to the point of Paragon being like, what the hell are you talking about? That dude was about to kill you. Why would I choose right. him over you? Why? Like, and I haven't heard a good reason for that yet. It just doesn't, it makes me scratch my head. Like, I just don't understand how you can still look in that situation and be like, you made the wrong choice.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think the situation for me is a little bit different. If if Darkstar, I think his name or Black Blackstar, Blackstar. Uh, was just going to kill the Utopian. If it was just him about to like bash Utopian's head in, maybe try and find a different way. Like if I was the Utopian in that situation and I have my creed, I would be like, you know, I was willing to die for my principles. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm angry that you felt so strongly that me at the end of my lifespan was worth you bloodying your legacy for it. Um, I can understand that point of view. But the fact that Blackstar was about to go nuclear and kill potentially millions of people, it's like, okay, that's a different, it's a different circumstance. Um,
0: yeah, kind of crazy, man. I, it, it's interesting. I, I would be very interested to hear – would any listeners have to say or like weigh in on this? Because as much as I'd like to think Utopian is right, I really think he's misguided in that, you know, in a world with superheroes and supervillains of comparable ability, like so I don't think that you have a choice. I think at, there's, at times there's you're an put an in epic... situations where you have to make that call.
1: So, in the conclusion, let's talk about the conclusion of the show. And one of the final moments of the show, we see Black Star escape from prison, Paragon and Utopia go to stop him. And in it, Paragon gets captured. And Blackstar, who is aware of the exact situation, puts Utopian in the exact same situation but reversed and says, you can kill me and save your son or I can kill your son and we can fight it out and you can send me back to prison. And Utopian hesitates. And at that moment, another superhero shows up and hits Blackstar in the back and they're able to bring Blackstar down without killing him. And then Utopian tells his son... I would have killed him. And his son goes, yeah, I know, dad. And and leaves. And it's an interesting setup. But it's setup like, for bullshit. Them. You were about to let your boy down. <laughs> you like we were about to go Abraham on that <laughs> thing. What, what you see is like Blackstar about to rip out his throat and Utopian start to charge up his laser beams. And then he gets hit in the back and Utopian depowers down and goes over and him and Paragon take him down. and Yeah, I had, that. I had that kid. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> And so like, it's, it's an interesting concept of, of would he have done it? We don't know. All we know is that he didn't do it instantly. There was a hesitation there where it's like, if you were going to do it, why didn't you do it? Like, you don't get to sit here and tell me you would have done it because you didn't do it initially. And I don't know. So it's, it's obviously going to be an interesting dichotomy of, of what the evolution of that is.
0: I just want to like, again, encourage people once you've seen it, highly recommend the show. I think it's great. I think the concepts like this that we've been talking about for the last half hour now are fascinating it really adds another layer of depth to superhero the superhero universe and in, in shows and if you don't like those I, I don't know what you're doing listen to this podcast because it's like 90 percent of what we talk about but um i think that these shows are really starting to dive into a, a much deeper um layer of of what it would be like in the real world like you know like yeah picture picture yourself as one of them what decision would you make like where where do you guys fall on that i'd like to hear people weigh in so get, yeah. get back at us i mean this
1: there's other like minor concepts that I think are very valuable with the show. If you don't care necessarily about this epics, the, the ethics of superheroes, it's not like that's 99% of the show. It's maybe about like 50% of the show or 40% of the show. There's also characters. Utopian is a daughter who struggles with her identity outside of her superheroics. She, she refuses to embrace her superhero identity and is unable to escape her superhero identity because that's what she's grown up doing. And so she ends up kind of turning towards a more... I mean, I guess I'll just jump right into the spoilers, kind of towards a life of crime, where she's like, this is the only way that I can be acknowledged for me without people caring about who my father is. Um, I don't know. I'm super excited for season two. I think it's going to be great. Um, So we touched on briefly Invincible, which I know that Tyler and I covered last week. You weren't there. Did you have any, did you listen to the episode? Did you have anything to add from your perspective as far as the quality of the show or the premises that were touched on?
0: Yeah, I did listen to the episode. I don't like Voyage of the Dawn Treader, Tyler. He's gonna listen back to this and laugh at that. But anyway, um, yeah, the Invincible. I, you know, I was kind of like watching it, binge watching it, trying to catch up uh, before I ended up having to miss the episode last week. But uh, great show. I mean, these guys have hammered the table about it. Um, you know, all the quality and in the the casting of the voices. It's they're, they're pretty on the money with what they were saying. So I, I just echoed those points. Um, the only thing I was going to say, and we touched about it a little bit in this, is like the, uh, I thought it was so funny to see just this insane amount of world-ending threats popping up every day in that universe. It just seems like, you know, they like I'm even the simple ones that it shows like Invincible when he's learning how to fight crime, where it's like that guy that has like this crazy beam cannon arm and he's just mowing through cops and mowing through buildings and like that guy would be a massive problem if superheroes yeah. didn't exist. So the only reason guy, why he exists is because of superheroes. Oh, like, that,
1: guy, that guy has like one of my favorite lines in the entire show where he turns to the cops and goes, Y'all sure you want to do this? That building's got a hole in it. Yeah. <laughs> and like he's pretty funny.
0: and like, I, But at the same time, like I, I just looked at that guy's capabilities and thought, "What? If superheroes didn't exist, we'd have a real freaking problem with that guy running around. Right, you know, like look at the same thing with um, Jupiter's Legacy with that robot chick. She's kicking the crap out of Paragon one on one. That's right. what are cops supposed to do about that? How did, would they ever stop
1: her? Well, I mean, that's that's the opening scene of Invincible, right, where they're talking about the the, the guys that guard the White House are talking about how they have to go through supervillain training about how to like dodge laser beams. And he's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, why? How are we supposed to do that? We don't move with the speed of sound. Like, this is ridiculous, you know? And
0: like, to me, every time I watch one of those villains, I'm like, man, what would they have done if you know, there weren't superheroes flying around? And like, I guess to what we've touched on, they wouldn't exist, you know? And obviously it's just the irony of comics, which is, you know, you have to ramp up the threats in order to keep the story interesting. But it's just so funny to see it because you're like, okay, so what you're suggesting in your storyline... If I'm to accept this as as like real world playing out. Sure. That supervillains would just constantly get more and more scary like because of superheroes. So they're capable of doing it now. Bad guys are in the real world. Sure. But I mean, they like, don't because there's not a an even more threatening positive presence. Like I just, sure.
1: I mean to, to take it to a show that you understand, put it in perspective, like Dragon Ball Z. You know, it, like what the fuck is Krillin gonna do against Cell or Majin Buu? Like jack shit. You know, like those those even those superheroes are no Dude, longer capable. He dies capable. a lot. He dies a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot of characters that just become useless that were once powerful, once you know formidable, and they're just like, oh, I'm not super saiyan. Okay, guess I'll just go sit on the bench. Guess I'm just gonna um, get
0: out of the way, and that's kind of how it ends up being. Like those guys just right. kind of start to vacate the fights because they just can't
1: go toe to toe anymore. Yeah. I mean honestly, we waste so much time watching Yamcha and, and Tien try and fight Cell and it's like Oh, okay, they get but smacked, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's like why did I just wa- why did I just waste four episodes of my life watching that when I knew nothing was going to happen? Like this characters clearly are at the climax. Anyway, um yeah. So so the escalation of, of superhero violence definitely is is an interesting concept. Yeah, and in
0: Invincible, um, like, you know, all the other stuff's been fleshed out. So that's kind of what I wanted to focus on because it ties in with these other superhero things, but it did it I just thought it was funny as I was watching. But other than that, highly recommend it. I think it's fascinating. I really like the uh the um the theme of all the uh with their mustaches. Like every single guy has a mustache. I, I'm personally trying to grow a, a, a mustache myself. So I was kinda like looking at them I was like, man, I wish I could grow ones that are that full. But literally every one of them has a mustache. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. Um and uh you know, other than that, I thought it was enjoyable. I think it's kind of cool when they have things like that alien dude that he was fighting up on the moon. And like it kind of hinted at that there's like a, a, you know, more out there that they could play out in a storyline. I'm assuming that's coming in future seasons um, because th- that just kind of felt to me like they only introduced that in order to open up the storyline going forward. Sure. Um, is that accurate yeah. as someone who hasn't read ahead?
1: Yeah, I mean, all and the alien, like they introduced. It's not like they they introduced them early. They like they they basically took the first two volumes of Invincible, the first twelve issues, and turned it into the first eight episodes. Right. Um, and they're going to continue to do that. The difference is that there's twenty something volumes of Invincible, and the creator said that if he did a full show, he would want to do it in eight seasons, which would be if you're doing two volumes per show the first 16 volumes but i don't think he's going to take the first 16 volumes i think he's probably going to accelerate some things and um advance them so yeah i'm definitely super excited for what they have to do um the the season two finale like there's like a little 15 second clip where it shows like a little glimpse in the future of all of the different villains and it's like god there's so much content that this show needs to uh cover and i'm i'm here for it it looks incredible yeah um
0: yeah Well, I I don't want to dive back into that one too deep. I know you guys spent a lot of time on it last week and we've talked about it kind of constantly for, since it came out. Um, So let's move on from there. I thought it was great. Highly recommended if you haven't watched it and listened to these guys, or if you just really, really, really value my recommendations, which wouldn't surprise me, go ahead and go watch it. Um, I'll put my stamp of approval on that one. Um, Let's move on here. Uh, I think we're we're expecting a little bit of a shorter episode without Tyler kind of, Gibbon and Gavin the whole time. He says, so
1: He says at the 50-minute mark. Yeah. Uh, so
0: uh, let's move on to recommendations. You were throwing some of my way that I thought uh, were worth uh, kind of bringing up.
1: Yeah. Um, so I mean, there's a couple. Like I'm still like, – I'll, I'll, what I've been doing with my time so far is I've been watching The Nevers, keeping up with that, watching The Bad Batch, keeping up with that, uh, still watching Jujutsu Kaisen, still reading Brendan Sanderson's book. I'm like three-quarters of the way through it, so hopefully I can finish that soon. Um, yeah. Definitely, some good stuff there. Give me, give me Uh,
0: the uh, like three sentence version of what the Bad Batch is. I have uh, no knowledge; I've never heard of it before.
1: So, uh, it's it's animated Star Wars. Uh, So, the the concept of the Bad Batch is it's uh, clone troopers from the Clone Wars that were genetically enhanced. So, they're defective clones that were given uh, genetic enhancement. So, they took a clone and they said
0: America level abilities.
1: Sure, but with specifics. So they took a clone and they said we want to give him super strength, and they called him and he calls himself Wrecker. And they gave a they took a clone and they gave him super senses, so he can see and smell really well. And they call him Hunter. Uh, They took a clone and they made him very smart, and they call him Tech. Um, And they these clones have worked as a clone troop throughout the Clone Wars. uh, And then when Order sixty six comes across, what they find out is that the inhibitor chip. That forces clones to turn on the Jedi doesn't work because of their genetic mutations. Hmm. And so they are still loyal to the Republic, trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And uh, it's more like the Clone Wars was big from 2008 to 2013 or something. Um, and then after Clone Wars, they did Rebels, and Rebels was pretty good. And it went from 2014 to 2018 or something. And then we've been kind of craving a lot of the fan base has been craving for more animated when Disney plus announced all of the TV shows, they announced a final season of the clone wars that was going to wrap stuff up. So they read an eighth final season and in it, they introduced the bad batch and then made a spinoff show for the bad batch to, to fill in the gaps. Um, so it's, it's just more star Wars animated content. It's good. Um, I'm enjoying it, but I know that a lot of our listeners all, all, several million of our listeners are all big Bad Batch fans. Nice. Yeah.
0: And I will say this, like my schedule's like been opening up. I've been trying to consume more and more media, especially with the recommendations you guys throw out, which, you know, hit and miss, but you guys have had some good ones in there. Uh, The Nevers, uh, you've talked about it before on this podcast. Do you want to give it all like a one sentence plug? It sounded like you might want to mention it today.
1: Sure. Uh, So the Nevers, it's, uh, I talked about it last week a little bit, but it heavily just takes pre-existing concepts from comics and just reinforces them. So it's like the origin story of the Inhumans with the Terrigen Mist type situation. It's got a school type situation of a bunch of women. It's basically a society that has a certain percentage of them developing powers and all of the women of that society are afraid. And so there's a woman that puts together like a school or like a housing situation for all of these women that have developed superpowers for them to be protected from society. And then they come out and do missions and try and advance their agenda. So, so it's, it's like totally X-Men. like, totally like the X-Men, but within human origins. Um, and then you just get tons of fun stuff like, uh, um, I don't know, like you just have to watch the show. A lot of fun superpower usage, really good acting. Uh, I'm loving it. Um, and the, final, the season finale is is next week. And the only other recommendations nice. that I have is I've been picked up some comics again. I'm I'm too bad Tyler isn't here. Um, I picked up an image comic book run that's on issue nine, I think. It's called Wind. Uh, I won't go too into detail, but it's about a magical world and, and a kid that's got magical blood trying to prevent himself from being murdered and a runaway prince. Um, oh, wow. And then, and then I also started reading, Tyler has already been caught up in this book. He's been recommending it for months. It's called Seven to Eternity, Rick Remender, um, it's a blast. So, if you're looking for good comic recommendations, I would recommend either of those.
0: And then, what do you uh, got, Brian? Well, and then I was gonna have one more from you, which is uh, Bladestorm. You were
1: yeah, Blade Storm. you yeah, Blade Storm. Yeah, uh, Blade Storm right now is only ten dollars on the PlayStation Network. Uh, it's it's kind of a gem from the PS3 era. Uh, I mean, look it up so you know what you're getting into. But the concept is you are a mercenary during the Hundred Years' War. You fight and you con- constantly switch sides from England to France. You play through all these crucial battles that, that existed during the end of the Hundred Years' War. So you're either teaming up with uh, uh, Joan of Arc or you're teaming up with Edward, the Black Prince of Wales. Uh, and you're playing through the kind of final years of the, the Hundred Years' War and the, when they remastered it for PS4, they recalled it, they, they remastered it, they called it Nightmare, and they added a DLC in which Joan of Arc, at the end of the campaign, spoilers, comes back from the dead and leads the Army of Hell against the combined forces of England and France. And so you're fighting fucking dragons and nightmares and demons, and it's this like crazy chaotic campaign edition at the end of the game. Um, and it's co-op. I know there's not a lot of co-op games out there. You'd be able to play it with your friends. I don't know. You got to look up. It's it's kind of nuts. Uh, and again, $10 in the PS Store. Yeah, I think but, we'll
0: be jumping in on that uh, You know, here as um, soon as I get it downloaded. Um, on my end, not a ton, uh, to be honest. I kind of wanted the recommendations to flow around your stuff because you've had uh, um, a lot more fun stuff going on. So we'll um, stick with yours. Uh, but I did want to kind of jump into a look ahead, um, kind of jump up some hype. I'm guessing a lot of this stuff will be Things that we talk about um, on upcoming podcasts, although we don't have anything completely like slated yet. But uh, like a new I saw a new trailer for the the next Venom uh, dropped and I thought that one looked absolutely, uh, you know, fun. Um, I, I kind of like how he kind of comes off as like an anti-hero in a Definitely. way where he's just not presented as your normal like Captain America, clean cut, you know, um, you know, law abiding yeah. hero. He's like. You know, definitely got a screw loose, and you know, but at the same time, at the end of the day, you know, he seems like he's doing good.
1: I mean, at, I will say at the end of it all, I didn't, I didn't love the first Venom film, but Tom Hardy pulled off some insane energy in that film. I mean, he's like taking entire bites out of raw lobster, like, talk about the superhero body image. He's walking around looking like he's trucking on a bender, like, he, he looks yeah. completely oh, nuts. He brought it. He brought it.
0: I actually kind of liked it, to be honest, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's refreshing. Different. It's yeah. different. And and I think this one looks like it's just promising more of the same where he's just got of screw loose because he's got this crazy symbiote in his body. And he's just figuring out how to get through each day with this situation. I'm, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Um, another one that you brought up, Hitman's Bodyguard. You want to touch on that? Uh, yeah. I mean, sequel to the 2017 uh, Ryan Reynolds, Samuel Jackson, and this one, Samuel Jackson, the famous Hitman. Uh, Darius Kincaid ends up getting captured by a crime syndicate and his crazy wife is forcing Ryan Reynolds to aid in his escape. And so it's Ryan Reynolds teaming up with um, Selma Hayek uh, to free uh, Samuel Jackson.
0: Sounds like it will be more the same fun as the first one. I know I I watched it and don't remember too much about it, but I remember uh, it just being funny.
1: It's definitely worth a rewatch. There's, there's tons of quotable lines. The action is phenomenal. Um,
0: it's great. Nice. You mentioned uh, Rava too, or
1: Rava, Rava. Yeah, I don't even know how to pronounce it. I think it's Raya. I think it's R-A-Y-A. Right. Anyway, Raya, uh, Raya, Raya uh, is Raya. Uh, the newest Disney film to come out. It's uh, Chinese culture, something about the last dragon, um, where a hero comes out and I think saved the last dragon. Again, I haven't seen it yet because it's not free yet. So it came out on Disney Plus for purchase, but it's actually coming out next or like two weeks. I think June 4th is when it comes out for anyone that's already paying for Disney plus can watch it. So I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more next week, but yeah. Nice. And, uh, Tyler, Tyler had one more recommendation. His new favorite show is my little pony. Uh, I can't speak too much about it, but um, maybe when he gets on next week, he can tell you guys about how much he loves my little pony.
0: Actually, he was showing me his. you know, he got a, uh, a tattoo of it um, on his right butt cheek. Uh, he probably wouldn't have mentioned that, but because he's not here, we're going to do that for him. Tyler has a tattoo of My Little Pony on his right butt cheek. Maybe he'll post it on the Instagram account if, if that's still going on. Um, All right. And then I'll, I'll, I'll cap it with the last two. Um, I want to note, it looks like it's coming out at the end of this month. The Quiet Place Part 2 uh, is coming out. I'm actually pretty excited for that because I enjoyed the first one. Um, Jeff is afraid of anything fun and a little bit scary, so uh, he hasn't seen it. So I was gonna say the first one with John Krasinski, and I think it's his wife, right? Isn't, uh, what's her face, his wife, Emily Blunt or whatever her name is? Yeah. Uh, I thought they killed the first one. I I actually really enjoyed it. I I swear there's like like a universe in movies that they just haven't announced that they're all in the same universe because in that one they take away your ability to speak because you'll die. In Bird Box, they take away your ability to see or you'll die. You know which one I'm talking about with Sandra Bullock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, like I I feel like they're kind of attacking all the senses here. And like there's other movies must be coming out down the road. But as far as this one goes, um, just looking forward to them building out on it a little bit more. Maybe getting a little bit more answers as to what exactly happened. Uh, Because similar to Bird Box, the first one, you don't really get a whole lot of answers as to where those creatures came from you Know exactly what their capabilities are beyond that they just rip you to shreds if you uh, make a sound. So, um, looking forward to that. That one's uh coming up here, uh, looks like May 28th it comes out. Um, and then the other one I actually noted a little bit further down, um, the Green Knight. I, I just want to keep mentioning oh. it because I'm very excited for it. Plenty of stuff comes out between now and then, including uh, Black Widow in, in early July, Space Jam in mid July. I thought um, Black
1: Widow got. Pushed, maybe I don't know. Keep going. I think
0: it got pushed to July. Oh, okay. Um nice. but I'm just super excited for the Green Knight, so I just wanted to plug it here. I, I'm a big Arthurian legend you know legend the, guy. the
1: cinematography of this show just looks it looks Fucking awesome, insane. Like it, I'm it's very awful.
0: excited. Yep. So I just wanted to throw it out because I saw it on the list when I was looking up at stuff coming out soon. And I mean,
1: being familiar with with the Arthurian lore, I'm just like, what is this movie even about? <laughs> well, like, it, it just the looks. The original,
0: nuts. the original legend is,
1: you know, he's it's one of his Grail quest
0: stops, right? Because they're all looking sure. for the Grail, and right. then He comes across this, this like, like ephemeral green knight, this thing that's not even a real person, and like has this adventure where he has to deal with this crazy being. Right. I mean, it's been a while since I covered it, but at the same time, you know, it seems to me like it's, it's going to be a really open-ended, you know, ability yeah. to be creative for the director. And I'm just excited. It seems like they're bringing some heat with this one.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the actor, um, uh, uh have his name blah. Uh, Dev Patel. Dev Patel, he I think is a phenomenal actor. I remember, Absolutely. I, I, one of my one of my favorite shows I've ever seen is um, Newsroom on HBO, and he has a, a fantastic performance on there. And I can't wait for him to be in an action oriented role, for him to be a lead. Like, ah,
0: oh, yeah. Uh, I, I think they're going to bring some heat with that one. We don't need to dive in too much, but I'm imagining we're probably going to devote a whole episode of that at some point. So easily. Stay tuned there.
1: easily. Um
0: other than that, I, I think that's all I had for today. Um, we can we can cap it there. And uh, I just want to say one more time, Tyler does have a tattoo of my little penis, <laughs> right, Bunchy? But anyway. Cool. For uh, the
1: uh, subscribers uh, at home, please uh, drop a like and rate the episode. It does definitely really helps. Um, let us
0: know what you think about the concepts we dove into. I think there's a yeah. lot of room for discussion there. Just, so we'd love to hear what people think.
1: Get us our engagement. Don't be afraid to tell Brian that he's wrong and that Jeff is right. I mean, he's used to it. I'm usually am right. Uh, Feel free to request the picture of the definitely real tattoo that Tyler now has. On his red butt cheek. That's right. And we will get that to you. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye.